Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In the sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations. Because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. My guest today is Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett is an actor, producer, and the founder of a new skincare line called The Outset. It may be hard to believe that Scarlett ever had problems with her skin, but that's what spurred her investigation into clean beauty. Creating clean and effective beauty products is extremely hard to do, but Scarlett has done it beautifully with The Outset. I asked Scarlett about being an entrepreneur and what her routine looks like. We also talked about our marriages and what we've learned about ourselves from our relationships over the years. And of course, we reminisced about movie sets and our Avengers family. So let's get to my conversation with Scarlett Johansson. Do you remember when we first met? Because I can't remember. Do you remember? When we first met? Yeah. The very first time? Yeah. It was before we did Iron Man, we must have met. Don't you think so? I feel like it had to be, but I was sitting at my desk this morning thinking, when did I meet Scarlett Johansson? Because I was in New York most of the time. I, I mean, at that time, up until maybe a couple years before that, I, I I was mostly here. So, and I don't remember seeing you in the city. Well, you know what I, what I realized today when I was going through my research that you were in sophistry with yeah. my with Ethan Hawke, who's an old pal, and Jonathan Mark Sherman wrote it. And he's like one of my closest friends. That's so funny. I couldn't believe it. I had one line in that play. It was the first thing I ever did. I think I was eight. Oh my God. Seven or eight. It was very surreal having to be there every night to deliver this one line. And they didn't normally let me take the curtain because it was like too late. So they needed to get me out of there. <laughs> and I think once or twice they let me take the curtain. But it was such a fun experience and so weird. I remember I had my own little like room, you know, and 
It's funny now when you're on set and there's either kid actors, especially if you're doing a play and there's kid actors, it's like those kids are having a completely whole other life and experience. And you know that when they grow up, they're going to be, they're going to have these strange sort of flashbacks as to what that experience was like, but it won't have, you know, perspective to see the reality of it, I think. I mean, it's weird when I think about you acting as a kid, I think in general, acting as a kid must be so surreal for a kid. I mean, being a kid seems surreal, but I (laughs) (laughs) I think back on any moment, it's like a trip. But when did you start like really working as a kid? How old were you? I started working at that time doing sophistry. So I booked that job. And then right after that, I booked a movie that Rob Reiner directed called North. My parents in it were John Ritter and Faith Ford. Okay, and then, incredible. It's so funny. And I worked on that for like a couple of weeks and I, and I kind of kept working like that. And then I, then I started making longer, you know, booking like longer jobs and stuff, but yeah. And how old were you when you did Lost in Translation? I was 17. Oh my God. No, I didn't know you were that young. I was so young. Yeah. That's crazy. It was a long, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was, I, I think love I, that movie. Yeah. It's. It, it's funny because when we, when we were making it, you know, the script was like 75 pages or something like that. I think Sophia knew what she wanted it to be, but it wasn't totally clear, you know, uh, to me exactly what, what it was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that Bill really knew what we were doing either. I think it was a tough time probably for, I mean, like I saw him later, years later, and I very weirdly, I, I didn't see him for a long time. I, it was, that was a very hard shoot for me for a lot of different reasons, but I was also young and, you know, it was, it was tough. And when we did all the press and everything for it, it was also, it was strange. I felt kind of isolated from the experience that he and Sophia were having. It was a lot to kind of process. And anyway, I didn't see him for a decade or more. And then I was, yeah, it was a long time. Then I walked into a bar with my ex-boyfriend, boyfriend from a long time ago. And he, I walked in and there was only one person in the bar and it was Bill Murray. It was so weird. It was so weird. And I just, I, I walked in, I saw him sitting there, nobody else there, like just a bar. And I was like, oh, you know, oh my God, I like had to walk out. And I was like, it's, oh my God, it's Bill. I haven't seen him in so long. It'd been a decade of time, more than a decade of time. I was like, all right, I guess I'll have to go and see what's up. I mean, it was such a weird moment. It was like a dream. And then I I went in there and he was also surprised. (laughs) We, you know, we actually, it was kind of therapeutic. We sort of talked through that time. I think it was hard for him too, because he had a lot of stuff going on with his family and his marriage. And it was like, he was also not totally knowing what we were doing out there in Tokyo over those weeks. And it was, you know, I think his way of coping was being really sort of manic in this way. And it was, yeah, we kind of made this, I don't know, it was sort of, was sort of there was a kind of, it was a nice, nice. yeah, we, we had a uh, cathartic experience in that weird bar. And then luckily it sold. <laughs> when I look back on movies that I've done, like there have been movies that I've done that have happened in really, really, really difficult times of my life. And like, I probably wasn't my absolute best self you know, during like the talented Mr. Ripley, when my father and grandfather both were diagnosed with cancer or like, you know, some other movie where I had a bad breakup and you're there and 
you have mm-hmm. to be so vulnerable and exposed so much. And then to have the hangover of like, oh, I, I'm not sure I was my best self on that movie. I know what's so tough about it. I've had also stressful life stuff like that happen while I was working. And of course you have, you have no choice. You have to go and do your job and perform and show up at 6 AM and have your hair and makeup and all <laughs> your like life is personal life is very fragile and you know, then you have to check it or use it or whatever. And, and then, you know, you kind of come out of it. And the thing, when I was younger, I would be worried, oh God, like, did I, am I ever going to work again? You know, did I leave a bad impression on these people because I, or am I difficult? You know, whatever it was, because you were, had your life happening and you, you have to turn it on and you have to just keep going. It's relentless relentless kind of in a, in a way but that of course it's always that fear I think as an actor where you think oh I'm ne- not going to work again after this doesn't everybody feel that every time anyway it's just like you never know what's coming until of course you get like success at your level or you know where it's like okay now you have real agency and you can get things made and which is fantastic but like until that point it's like, okay, I hope I'm going to get another job. Totally. And even the idea that you could get something made to me, is it's still a certain pressure because you don't, that also is a, that is a burden. <laughs> I mean, it's wonderful. It's yeah. a gift, but I want to be able to not take it for granted, not take advantage of it in a way that feels icky, you know, and, and have, and still deliver stuff that is, you know, that you hope people like and, and also know that if something's not right and you need to move on from it or whatever, that also has like a trickle down effect. I'd say it wasn't until I had, until my daughter was a little bit older that I realized, oh, I'll, if I leave, you know, for whatever reason, like I've put in enough time here that, that I I can come back and there'll still be stuff here. There'll still be a job yeah. for me, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Especially like you've achieved so much, you know, from the like box office metrics and also from the good movie metrics, like you've you've done so many great movies. And when I was looking back, like her, that movie with walk, which is now so crazy, the AI, (laughs) like how weird that that's going to be our life now in like the next six months, but and Jojo Rabbit, you were so good and marriage story. Like you've done all these incredible roles. And then you also had, you know, it says in Wikipedia, you were the highest paid actress of all time and whatever. I mean, that's fucking cool. That's baller. I love that. Thanks. Like it's such it's, a good combo. It is. It's, it, it's, it's, yeah. It, I mean, it's been, I, I think honestly, I really, I really, really love my job. I find it very interesting. And I, I like, I, I mean, it sounds like I'm such a corn, but like, I really love acting. I love working with actors, directors. I like the whole, you know, corny mess of it and the trust (laughs) exercises, all that like embarrassing stuff. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. And I think it keeps it going because, you know, you, no matter then whatever you're doing, if you're doing all of like the stuff that we've done together, which is, you know, kind of a small movies and these big movies or whatever, you try to make mm-hmm. moments that are 
special in these big things. And you're, you do that. So, so well, you bring a whole weight and gravity and to the, the, all that big stuff and make it real. It's so funny. I was talking about that the other day. We were talking, I don't know why we were talking about Iron Man. I was, whatever the whole trajectory of how that went, how the beginning of Marvel was. And there was everything about it was so uncertain, except you, you were the only thing, at least from the outside perspective, (laughs) looking at that movie, it was like the, the, the IP was like, we don't know, like, obviously, you know, Robert was, it it was, you know, a big, we didn't know, we didn't know know what it was going to be. Obviously we knew he was, he's a great actor, but it was it was a big swing. And then, you know, Favreau doing this big thing, you know, whatever, all the pieces, but you, you were the <laughs> piece that was the for sure bet, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so, so hilarious. It's so true though. It's so true. And you delivered so well in it that it think it gave it oh my God. a certain, but it makes it gave it that thing I'm talking about where you can have this small thing inside a big thing. And the small thing inside the big thing is what makes it feel that actually gives it the reason to be, you know? Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Whenever I do and ask me anything, which is something on Instagram, which you don't know about. And I'm going to circle back to this, by the way, because I need to understand how your team lets you get away with not having social media. But like people ask me, is it true that you and Scarlett Johansson didn't get along on Iron Man? Yes. Is that a rumor? I guess so. You were you were so nice to me on that movie. I was so oh. petrified. You were so <laughs> nice to me. You could have been awful. I had no idea. I was so out of my comfort zone on that movie. I'd never done anything like that before. Plus, you guys had established like deep friendship. Oh, we it were was... so psyched you were there. And I was so happy to have another woman around. I know you kept telling me that. <laughs> You're like, thank God. But then later on, I experienced that too, because when I did Avengers, I also was like one of the few, there's like me and Kobe and she, whenever we worked together, it was like, I know it was, it's like a, it's like a party. totally, <laughs> but you fit in good in that world though. You're very like, you kind of, I mean, I wouldn't describe I you as one of the boys, it. but it was, you guys all get along so well. Yes. And I love them. And Robert has stayed like one of my best friends and. And I still love John and see him. It was, it was a great time. It was like fun to be in something that resonated so deeply with people culturally and people love it so much. And I had never been in like that kind of a 
blockbuster franchise thing either. So it was totally new for me. But then you went on and did like all of those huge. So what was that like? I mean, having come from, you know, theater and independent film and like, how did you, and then did you kind of toggled back and forth between the big and the small, like, tell me more about all that. I was lucky though, because we had, the cast came together so well for Avengers that everybody was kind of having the same shared experience. I mean, other than Sam Jackson, who's been in like every big movie ever made. I mean, all of those, all of the other actors like, you know, Renner or Ruffalo, I mean, those guys, they were, I mean, even Hemsworth, I don't think he'd really done that much before that. So everybody was kind of in the same boat a little bit. Right. And it felt very much like when we were making Avengers, I think all of us thought either this is going to be like, I think people could like it. It also on paper seems terrible. (laughs) this is is so not how does this work you know I mean they don't even give you the script so like you don't even know what I mean when I I had no idea when I wait they didn't give you the entire script of no what Iron Man 2 you must have had that you're in it like a whole bunch Iron Man 2 Iron Man 1 2 and 3 I got the whole scripts but in the event in the Avengers I think I'm in the Avengers. In I did not Avengers. get the script. It wouldn't have made sense to you anyway if you got the script. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but was it fun to like be such a badass superhero? Did you like yeah. that? Yeah, it was awesome. It was like the best time ever. I mean, doing Avengers was so much fun. I was like 26 years old. I was single. It was fun. I was like, you know, you have no, when you don't have like, a. I didn't have any responsibility to do you know, to anybody, but just, just to enjoy yourself. And, you know, I worked when we did Black Widow, I worked with Florence Pugh and she at the time was like 22 or 23. And I I felt so excited for her. I know what that feels like, you know, this big thing that's coming out and everything else is buzzing around you. And you're also like, you know, young and energetic and beautiful and talented. And she's in the middle of it right now. I felt like that then, you know, I felt like there was all this exciting stuff happening and, and I got to work with, you know, all these great actors and a lot of New York guys too, that I knew for whatever, was all sort of the same group and just was really, really fun. And then every couple of years we would go back and, and do it again and all be in different places in our lives. So like somebody would have a kid or was getting married or divorced or remarried or whatever. And it just <laughs> like, it was a, kind of I don't know like a adult summer camp thing you know and it was it was cool it was really really like some of the best experiences that's so great and are you done with those I'm done you're done I'm done I'm hanging chapters chapters over yeah I really felt like I I kind of did all that I had to do you know I, I never I also coming back and playing a character again and again like that is over a decade of time is such a unique experience. Well, that's Kevin Feige. He's very good at all that, right? He is. He's fantastic at it. He's really, he's such a lover of cinema, storytelling. He, He really is a fan. I know it's sweet. And it's nice to create from that place. I think it's 
it's special because the excitement, it's like, he's, he's always bubbling with the excitement. He loves it. He's such a fan. He gets so psyched. You know, if I ever talking to him about something, whatever, an an idea or project, or even something like we both are like huge Disney world nerds. And we talk about whatever's going on at the parks and stuff like that. He's what is his title? So people know we give people some context who are listening to this. Does he run Marvel? Is he the creator? He's the right. president. Or what is he? CEO? I don't know. He's our boss man. Wait. So, are you? Does that mean you're also done with Marvel? I think so. I mean, I didn't die, so I guess they can always. I think ask you're. Me to... I think you may come back at some point. Really? <laughs> As sixty-four-year-old Pepper Potts, how great! Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. One hundred percent. That's happening. Oh my I, god! I can see it. They're oh never going to let you go. Oh my God. Break out that uh, wig, baby. That red <laughs> wig, I'll tell you. Did you have to dye your hair red ever? Or you just wore a wig the whole time? No, I wore a wig the whole time. That was smart. Did you? Not the whole time, no. I wore, I did you have died? to dye. I dyed my hair for a couple of, of them or a few of them. And then mm. it was, it was, I couldn't do it anymore. It was just, and then I, of course I look at people like you and I was like, well, I'm such an idiot. Cause I couldn't tell you, you look phenomenal. It depended on the day. Sometimes I was like egghead. Then John Favreau would tease me when he thought it looked bad. I just did a movie with Channing Tatum and my hair. I wear a wig. It's 1968. I have this like whole bouffant thing. I'd be like, just minding my own business, like staring off. And he'd come behind me and stick his finger like un- in between <laughs> my wig and my neck. And I was like, oh God, I I hate you. I hate you. I was like, you're so mean. That's so frat boy. It's so frat boys. Okay. Anyway. I, I really want to ask you about your business, which I love. I'm a fan of, we sell the outset on goop. It's beautiful product. Thank you. And I, thank you for letting us sell it. We love it. The whole We're, team you and it. It's been wonderful. So I remember when you, when we were doing Iron Man 2 and you were brainstorming goop. And I remember John Favreau saying, you know, this is exactly what she's meant to do. She's like the, con- we call her like the concierge or whatever, because you had, that's how you lived your life. It was like you, the best wherever in more, you know, best Tajin in Morocco and the best, you know, <laughs> Rio Khan in Kyoto and whatever. And it was, you get all the tips from you. And then it just has become so, um, it's so big and, and so, but it's maintained the integrity of how, from the very Thank beginning, you, what Marla. you set out to do, Thank which is you. amazing. Like you really so did nice. it. You're making you, me black. It's true. I'm, you. Did this it. is about you. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just so, saying, I remember that, that time. I remember that you were, it was like, you were figuring out little segments of it, how to do yes. certain like cooking pieces, how, what it was going to be. And now it's just, it's, it's really, really cool. Oh, so. Thank you. So tell me about, Tell me, speaking in Marvel Cinematic Universe terms, tell me about the origin story of the outset. Like, did someone come to you? Was it like a just a net new idea? Like, brainstorming? Like, how did it happen? Well, firstly, I have been obsessed with skincare and self care for uh, ever since I was a teenager because when I was a teenager, I had like adolescent acne 
and I was working, you know, and just thought, okay, I'll grow out of this acne eventually. And then I never did. I had adult acne. And at the time, I, I think the story was very much about, you know, that acne was like dirty and you had to clean your skin. It was like how to get a fresh face and cleanse your skin. And so I, and that was just part of the kind of beauty story at that time. And so I was using forever and ever. So, I mean, every kind of like stripping, drying, exfoliating cream, like from dermatologists, all those drying creams. It was just like everything you could do to like dry up your system, which I would go through these cycles of having acne and then it would dry. And then I'd have these other breakouts or like move all around my face. And it was, it was just, Mm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever struggled with acne, but it's just, it, especially doing, you know, being in the hair and makeup chair at five 30 in the morning with like this raw face and, and like counting on people to fix your complexion, you know, is so it's a, it's, it was so frustrating and such a source of like anxiety. And mm. to be honest, it was depressing anyway, because of that, I just was fascinated with skincare. And at some point, actually, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm some, my makeup artist at the time was like, now you get wrinkles and acne. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. Right. but it was like, I got to, the only thing that I hadn't tried was I was terrified of using moisturizer. I was terrified of anything that had oil or moisturizer or anything like that, because of a decade long experience with you know, this cleansing and drying and not knowing anything else. And so my last resort was I had when a particularly bad bout. I was like, I'm going to get rid of all this drying stuff. I'm just going to try. What if I just exfoliate gently just to get rid of the dead skin cells? And I just use like a real moisturizer, not an oil-free moisturizer, but like a simple fragrance, you have a sensitive skin, whatever, and try a day and night cream and see, like, I don't know, can't get any worse. And actually within a week, it was, my skin was better than it had been in a decade of time. Wow. And so I stuck so religiously to this routine of just using like a drugstore brand and like a little French pharmacy one and, you know, things like that. And at some point I, you know, I was like, I, I think there's a way to elevate this, that it feels like a uniform kind of, you know, essential system that has, you know, is, is transparent and affordable and like looks nice on your counter. And it's like, everybody can use it. And I'm not a dermatologist. Like I don't, you know, if I have a problem with my skin, I go to the dermatologist, but I'm, I, I just wanted like a baseline of stuff, you know, to use daily. And so I, you know, I told a couple of friends of mine that I wanted to do this and they were, they were like, great, you should, you know more about skincare than anybody. Like I need your products. And then I started going down the, you know, kind of pipeline of dipping my toe into this, into the beauty industry. And, you know, three years of doing that. And it was like, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to license my name. I don't want to white label something, you know, I was doing product development and good for you. Yeah. It was, it was really the right way. It felt like it for me anyway, like it felt like the right thing for me because I really wanted to make something that I felt like could live beyond my 
endorsement of it, you know, that it stood on its own. And so at that point, I also wanted to understand, do I belong here? Like, is there a reason? Do people need this? Is there a reason for it? I felt there was a space for it. And so I talked to a friend of mine because I realized I was like, I need my producing partner. You know, I need somebody who is going to be like a bouncing board who can develop this with me and has like a similar philosophy about stuff. And I met my partner, Kate Foster, through a friend of mine who works for a VC company, but he did a bunch of beauty startups and stuff. And he said, I know, I know this woman, Kate Foster. She's, you know, worked for 15 years in the industry. She's doing other stuff. Maybe you guys would be like-minded. I think he would get along. And we met and like had a date. And instantly I was, I just really liked her. I really thought she was funny, which is really important for me. I just found her to be really funny and really kind of self-deprecating in a really great way. And she was, she was curious, which I thought was a great place to start. And so that's how we started. And then like two months later, COVID shut everything down. It was like, we had, I remember we had a lunch at this place called Flora Bar that was at the Met Brewer here. And we had like, you know, little lunchtime cocktails and whatever. And it was like, what is, do you think like spring break is going to be affected? Like it was such a, you know, what is this thing? And then three days later, it was, yeah. you know, it was so surreal. So she and I immediately was like, you know, <laughs> want to have like a video chat, Zoom or whatever it was. I don't even know if it was Zoom yet. And so we got on and it, we had to really know we wanted to do this because doing it through COVID was really challenging, but it kind of was great because it, it cleared a lot of space yeah. to work on it. It was really hard, but at the same time, like all the noise sort of died down. And so you could prioritize in a way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tell me about, you know, why, why was it? Cause, cause I, I just want everybody to know, like we at Goop have the most stringent clean beauty standards, obviously clean beauty can mean anything. Anyone can say their products are clean. It's totally unregulated. And so, you know, we've, we've developed our own kind of portal that brands have to go through. And we are, I think among the cleanest, if not cleanest, like by our standards and your product is super clean and that's really hard to do. And it's not greenwash. Like it's really, really clean and really, really beautiful. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit about, cause it's also harder, it's more expensive to do it that way. So were you already kind of really educated around, you know, synthetics and chemicals and endocrine disruptors? No. Okay. Definitely not. I was like, these are the products I like to use. I like the performance of them. You can buy them at your drugstore. Like what, what's in it? Why is it working? <laughs> you know? yeah. So we would send in like these benchmarks to, you know, Kate had hers, I had mine, whatever to see what, what is in it. And then you get back the ingredient list and it was shocking. It was shocking. Yeah. And I just couldn't even believe it. And then I, I guess you just can't, once you know that information and you can't make it, you just can't do it. Right. It feels, I, I, I can't do this for the planet. I can't have people putting this on their skin. There's no level of this that feels right to me. Like, okay, we'll do a, we'll let a little bit of it slide, but then like these other ingredients are bad. And, but I didn't realize how, like you were saying, complicated and expensive and, and time consuming 
<laughs> the process of like submissions on that stuff is also, we don't work with one lab, right? We cherry pick from all different yeah. partners because we want the best product that fit our standards and, you know, and we can sell at Goop, right? And things like that. And so it's a choice, but I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm really proud of it. Be. We are, because honestly, it means that as many people can use it, that was intentional. We wanted it to be used by as many people as possible. People, particularly with sensitive skin, because we both have sensitive skin. And that again, was part of the reason for being. And I know that like my eight-year-old daughter could like put the cream on her face because she wants to be like mom. And I don't ever think worry about it at all, but it also has to be effective. That's the thing. Just because it's clean doesn't mean it's <laughs> effective. And so the balance is, it's, yeah. challenge. it's why we, it's why we're still developing a lip product and it's been in development for like three years or more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like that will be so good with those famous lips of yours. When you oh my it. God, I have such dry lips. Why though? Cause I drink so much water. I don't know. I have the same. I don't know. Are you like, are you super involved with the business part or is it more creative? Like how do you index in and out of which areas? I'm also involved in the business side of it. And then, you know, the last four months I was away working on this project with Channing and I could not, I could not process any more information than the project that I was working on. It was, took up a lot of my brain and it was tough. It's like, you have this thing that feels like you're neglecting this like child that you're neglecting. I put a lot of trust in my partner, Kate, because I, you know, I said to her, I was like, as I was going, you know, we had like a little goodbye thing in the office. I was like, I'll be back. You know, I'm just a phone call away, a text message away. We check up obviously regularly, but if there was something that was really pressing, stressful, you know, and pressing or whatever, then of course we would deal with it immediately. And now I'm back and now it's my you know, I'm there all the time. So, so explain how you have launched a business and nobody makes you be on social media. How we do have the outset social media. No, but you don't have yours. I don't have mine. I don't have my how? own social media. You, you how? first of all, you're a genius. Second of all, how I'm sure if we were, on, if I was on social media, maybe, you know, there, there would maybe be a lot of things that were easier. I know it would be, but I also feel like it's fundamentally not me. And so I don't, I don't know. I, can I get in on your ask me anything? I feel like I do ask me anything for the outset. I feel like I, I wouldn't know how, where to draw the line with social media. I feel like right. it would be, it you would joined into Instagram. My- today, you would be one of those people that had like 20 million followers overnight. And then you would have like, you know, that's too much for me to handle. I can't handle the like (laughs) sheer is the fact of that is it's too much. It's too much. I I have to protect myself. I get it. And (laughs) I'm too like, why I worship another reason why I worship you. I think honestly, a big part of it though, is also like, I don't know if I could do my same work. If I, I, if I had that kind of availability. It's its own beast for sure. You know, now that I'm sort of in it, I try to enjoy it for what I can, but I respect that you don't do it. Okay. I have three things that I really want to ask you about. One is, well, I guess two are related because do you first, do you still cook a lot? Yes, I agree. I cook a lot. So how, like, how do you take care of your 
wellness and skin from like internally as well? The biggest thing that I notice in my skin is if I don't drink alcohol, if I don't drink alcohol, it's like such a massive, it's the biggest difference. I can eat sugar, dairy, wheat, whatever, but alcohol really does affect. I think it just affects your whole hormonal cycle, your sleep cycle, like all of it. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's incredibly dehydrating. It's yeah. not to say do it once in a while, but. Right. Yeah. That's well, the thing that that's, yeah, the, you that's, have, yeah. that's you the thing, right? Pick your moments, right? You got to pick your moments. But so are you like, tell me a little bit about your kind of wellness routine. My biggest kind of meditation was physical exercise. I, I need to move my body in order to feel like I can take on <laughs> anything. I, I have, I have to be able to get that out of my kind of system. I think the only time in the day where I'm completely present. What do you do? I, I actually started doing Pilates right around the time I was doing Black Widow. I I was doing my thing was always like heavy weight lifting and like low reps. I really liked that kind of exercise and I just couldn't do it anymore. I think I just get to an age where it was too damaging and I didn't have the energy to recover. And so day after day of that kind of training was really wearing me down. I'd never done Pilates before and I instantaneously fell in love with it. I loved the challenge of it. It was different than I'd ever felt doing movements that I, you know, had never done before. I loved that it was different all the time. I loved that there was so much strength, inner strength involved. And I loved mostly that I had a lot, all this energy afterward. And I do classical, classic Pilates. And then I do more of like a workout, you know, strength training type of Pilates. And then what else? Like, do you try to hydrate any other wellness tips? I started taking this sounds like such an old lady, but I started taking magnesium a couple of months ago and it yeah. has been life-changing for me. I used to wake up a lot in the night and the magnesium has been really the only thing that's helped me in that mm-hmm. regard. Magnesium, baby. Magnesium. I, I take it too. So I'm I'm with you on that train. <laughs> okay. One thing that I really want to ask you about, and then I promise I'm gonna let you go, is you are. You've been married two times, three times, three, three Three. times. Oh, that's right. Because I forgot that you were married to Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) Goals. We were married. We weren't married very long, but we were married when I met you. When I first met you at for Ironman or whatever. Yeah, I was married. We love a good Ryan Reynolds in our house. (laughs) He's a good guy. So what have you learned because I'm in my second marriage and my second marriage is, is very different from my first marriage. I met you when I was in my first marriage or we worked together and I was in my first marriage. So how, how has your sort of shift towards marriage or long-term relationships changed? Like what, what have you learned? It's funny when I met Colin, I mean, I knew Colin for, for a long time, but you know, only kind of through work and stuff like that. And when we first started seeing each other, I would never have probably been ready for the, a relationship like the one that I have with Colin at different times in my life, because I, I wasn't comfortable setting my own boundaries. I didn't know what I, not only what I wanted, but like what I needed from somebody else. 
And I think one of the things that I realized is that, you know, there are certain fundamental things in your own personality that you need for me anyway, I, I needed to share with the other person. I mean, obviously it's hard to be in a relationship anyway, because you have to compromise all the time and whatever. And sometimes your lives separate and they come back together and blah, blah, blah. But I never realized, oh, it's really important for me. Like I need to, I need to be with a compassionate person. That's like a Mm -hmm. fundamental characteristic that has to be there. And I just, I think that understanding what those fundamental things are that you need in a partner is like a must, I think for longevity anyway, because all the rest of it's hard and whatever, there's going to be disagreements or ups and downs, or you're working, you know, on different things at different times and blah, blah, blah. But that, that I think identifying those things was a game changer for me. Right. I think that's actually very wise because I think a lot of when, you know, young women, we sort of get like kind of yanked around by our desire. And it's like, I don't think we are taught to like, Hey, really sit down and think about those fundamental qualities. You absolutely need like the non-negotiables. Yeah. Do you guys have this? Do you, do you move around the world like in the same way, you know? Yeah. And I think it's part, again, I, Similarly, the tie you're describing, you know, you get wrapped up in, oh, you know, things that are shiny and attractive in somebody, whatever that could be, they're sexy or passionate or, you know, in different kinds of ways that are really appealing. And so yeah. those other things, those kind of early sort of red flag things that you're so good at like brushing away, like, oh, that's okay. It's not like the sexiest thing to do to examine those fundamental characteristics that, you know, that are a necessity for you. But I think you know, that's why it worked with Colin and I at that time was that I was finally able to step back and actually respect myself enough to know what those things were and be okay with it, you know? And that's, I, that's, I think it was a life lesson. Mm, so good. Okay. I'm so happy for you. I love your, your business and your products. And it is just so good to see you. It's really good to see you too. This has been really a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. So fun. And I hope I run into you somewhere very soon. Me too. Thanks for tuning into my chat with Scarlett Johansson. You can shop the Outset's daily essential regimen on goop.com. And to learn more, head to theoutset.com. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.